You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI Arts Board of Regents. To learn more about our program or other programs on KUCI, log on to KUCI.org. My name is Ann, and you're listening to Operation Community Stimulus. We're, we've got a guest today, Susan Pierce. Is that correct, Susan? It is. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much, Susan, for sharing this information on Red Bucket Horse Rescue. Is that the name of your organization? Um, yes, we're uh, Red Bucket Equine Rescue. Equine Rescue. Okay, perfect. Well, I have to tell you, I've got a lot of people that have uh, looked at your website, and we're all excited to find out what kind of valuable information that you can share with us to maybe, you know, help you guys going in the right direction here. Wonderful. Why did you start the Red Bucket? Um, why did you start the rescue? Well, the bottom line is I couldn't turn my back. My okay. husband and I, three years ago, found nine starving and abandoned horses mm. that were headed for slaughter, and we had to do something. Um, we started Red Bucket Equine Rescue, and today it is a nonprofit. We are a 501c3. We've saved 96 horses from slaughter, starvation, and abuse. And our mission has three parts. So we, we save the horses, but the uniqueness in what we do is spending a lot of time rehabilitating and retraining the horses so that we can really prepare them for adoption. And we are currently working on our 42nd adoption, and so our model is clearly working. Well, that's amazing. These animals really depend on people like you, huh? Um, they do, and they also depend on the kindness of people who donate so that we can continue our good work. Exactly, exactly. Could you share with us how the situation of the horses, you know, what's going on with the situation? How's it changed in the United States? Well, I mean, first of all, horses are overbred. They're commoditized. They're, they're undervalued. You know, we have way more, more horses than we have homes. And as the economy has gotten worse and worse, everyone is being squeezed, and the horses really are silent victims of this. You know, horses aren't like dogs. People who have lost their homes can take the dogs to pounds, and while not an ideal situation, um, there's a place to take them. When people lose their homes or lose their jobs, there's no place to put a 1,000-pound animal, especially one that eats you know, 30 or 40 pounds of food a day. Uh, many people are just dropping their horses off. They're abandoning them. They're tying them in riverbeds to trees. Um, and the horses are in a desperate situation. <coughs> Excuse me. Are there a lot of organizations in the United States like yours? Well, there, there are, but 108 rescues have closed in the last year. And, you know, there are a number of factors for that, but certainly the economy is really, um, you know, tightening its hold on everyone, and the nonprofits are, are in that category. Yeah, I think it definitely, everybody's been affected. That's, that's a definite fact. And it is. it's kind of sad with, with the horses. Are there, was, was there any options? I mean, when you guys started this organization, did you, I mean, how did you stumble into something like this? Well, I've been a horsewoman for over 40 years, and um, we, we actually stumbled upon these horses. My husband um, trains border collies, 
and he was out in the Inland Empire um, with the dogs when he um, he found the first horse. And um, the long story is, you know, we, we went back and we found that a number of horses had been dumped, and the stable owner wasn't feeding them. He didn't think he needed to feed them because no one was paying him, and the horses were slowly starving. And one horse in particular was at death's door, and we went out and tried to help her, and she was so far gone that we picked up the phone and called the vet, you know, and, and the horse had to be euthanized. And, you know, we just said, this is going to stop now. Either we're going to turn you into the ASPCA or the Humane Society or we're taking over. And he said, take them. Mm. You know, I'm mm. getting evicted anyways. I don't care. And so we, we did. So where did you take them to? I mean, that's, you know, you just can't put horses in your backyard. No, I actually, it was a moment of, oh, my goodness, what have we done? Um, and there was no going back. It was a defining moment that, you know, clearly changed our lives and thankfully the lives of almost 100 horses. Um, we put out an email to the horse community and Mary Barons, who owns the Huntington Central Park Equestrian Center, said, you know what, I have some stalls available. I cannot stand what is happening. Um, why don't you bring them here? And we did. And that at the end of that year, we had saved 74 horses the first year. And so my job clearly was to go out and make sure that we had nonprofit status, that we had a mission, that we had bylaws, and, you know, built an organization um, that would continue to do the good work that we're still doing today. You know, doing the nonprofit road is not an easy one, is it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, that was, and I'm a mother. I've survived teenage years. No. <laughs> No, um, even getting that 501c3 was really tough. But the most amazing thing that has happened, as we've transformed these horses, and we're talking about a three to 400-pound weight gain. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the transformations are incredible. Our community has stepped up. We've had, you know, we have had attorneys come forward and say, mm -hmm. let me file your paperwork for you. Um, allow me to help you with your contracts. Our farriers are donating to us, our veterinarian hmm. donates to us. We have 300 volunteers who have stepped forward who want to be a part of this. Um, it's been incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had some organizations ask me to, to get you in contact with them. They have a Girl Scouts that feel like this would be a great cause for the kids to get involved. I don't know if you have any, if children help you or not in no, any no, fashion. Not, not that way, yeah. um, but, it, you know, it's just inappropriate to have right. children involved. However, um, what we are doing, because I think the kids are clearly mm -hmm. very important, mm -hmm. um, is we have a program um, that serves our community and um, this uh, uh, program is for scouts, so it's to teach mm -hmm. them philanthropy, it's mm -hmm. to educate them. Mm -hmm. um, we have daisies that come in to get their badges. You know, we have um, the kids can, you know, um, perform uh, acts in the community. So there are a lot of things that we're doing to support scouting, and we have a program specifically for scouts. We also have a program on philanthropy that we've um, started for girls between the ages of 13 to 17. Mm -hmm. And that's been really amazing, teaching philanthropy and leadership to really prepare that next level of um, uh, philanthropy for the next generation. Well, those horses certainly are blessed to have an angel like you and your husband. Well, it's, um, it's not just myself. Right. It's, 
I mean, we're talking about 300 PACTA volunteers, wow. a number of other people, and, and certainly our donors, too, who have mm-hmm. confidence sure. in our mission mm-hmm. and, um, you know, are impressed with the way that we're operating our organization. How many horses are presently in your care? We, uh, my head count today is 56, and I'm working on a couple of active um, adoptions right now. But we have a lot of horses. Mm-hmm. Wow, you have 56 in one location? We have 40 at the equestrian center, and then I have an overflow facility for, um, the, um, in Temecula where we have our pasture horses. That's amazing. That's amazing. I know one of my neighbors is moving out of state to New Mexico, and she said, Hey, can I take a horse with me? I, that's why I'm moving there, just to get a horse. <laughs> so we'll have to get you guys together to see what the plan is. Um, how, uh, are these horses just the ones that nobody wants? Or, you know, what's the story on the horses that you do have? Well, again, being that horses are overbred and we're having a horrible mm-hmm. problem, you know, in the economy, we have everything from resources that either haven't been fast enough or who have sustained injuries. We have family pets. We have old show horses. And believe it or not, we have nine strays. You have what? (laughs) I know, nine strays. Nine of our horses (laughs) were actually classified as strays by animal control. How does a horse get to be a stray? The same way a dog gets to be a stray. You mean somebody just turned their their horse loose? Yes, ma'am. Wow. Yeah, it happens all the time. Well, I'm kind of shocked on that one. Um, now, I understand you guys have been given a 30-day notice to leave the location that you're at. Is that correct? Um, we were asked by February 15 to vacate our stalls. Mm-hmm. And the equestrian center is generously allowing us to use a pasture that is adjacent to the equestrian center mm-hmm. um, for an additional 60 days. So they've asked for us mm-hmm. not to have a horse on the premise for more than 90 days, which um, really grateful that they're willing to mm-hmm. let us stay for 90 days, but it's really incumbent upon me, obviously, to find a place to move our horses. And so um, uh, we have a lot of horses, and I need to find a place to move them, and obviously the donations to also um, help with um, purchasing a place of our own, and relocating. Uh, what was the reason for asking, for having you guys to leave? Oh, I think, you know, first of all, you know, I've been there three years, and we're mm-hmm. very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, you know, as the economy is picking up, they're hoping mm-hmm. they'll be able to fill those stalls. Now, I pay for my own expenses. I pay for labor and water and, you know, electricity and gas and water removal and bedding. But, um because Mary had been involved in our board and she had been a contributor, she cannot charge us for our stalls mm-hmm. um, because of self-dealing. And so, you know, while we're paying for our expenses, they're not able to make a profit on us, and they're a business, and mm-hmm. they would like to be able to uh, make some money on those stalls. I think that that's reasonable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, have you had any luck finding a home yet? Um, You know, I do have a couple places identified, and really right now it's an issue of coming up with um, the necessary donations. We've had a couple of large donors step forward who are very invested in seeing us continue our good work, Mm -hmm. and um, we're hoping that we'll be able to raise awareness to our situation. We're hoping people will go to our website, 
redbucketrescue.org and, and check it out. And um, we're also hoping that somebody who finds our cause to be compelling will step up and maybe offer a matching donation. That would be awesome yeah, because, I mean, the, just the care of a horse has to be, to feed a horse has to be expensive. It is. It's very expensive. And, again, you know, the, the situation that's impacting our dogs and cats is also horrible. Um, but the amount of food that a horse eats is quite extraordinary, and plus there's, you know, a space issue as well. Mm-hmm. Do you find there is a more of a need for your services now than ever before? Well, certainly, but, you know, we started this right when the recession started. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Our whole experience um, being in the rescue world and the nonprofit world has been during a time of recession. Um, Having said that, I have found that people are very generous and really want to contribute, uh, especially when they hear about our mission and, more importantly, when they see the results and how well run our organization is. And you're you're located now in Huntington Beach, is that correct? That's correct. What what's the address there? One eight three eight one Golden West Street, Huntington Beach nine two six four eight. Okay, perfect. Um, can you tell me, you know, what what? How can people help? I know we have people listeners that. I mean, for me, I had no idea that there was a horse rescue place and that there would even be a need for one. You know. I think we're the best kept secret in Orange County, to be quite honest with you. I think the best thing, you know, is people need to spread the word. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I'd like to really encourage people to spread the word in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm committed to these horses. You know, my job as the leader, the president of Red Bucket, is to make sure that I successfully solve this problem, and Mm -hmm. I will. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. best thing that people can do is um, tell people who are interested, who might want to help, and if people can make donations, we'd really appreciate that. Every donation counts. And um, all of our donations, you know, go to the care and feeding of our horses. Mm-hmm. I work, you know, 100 hours a week on this. I do not draw a salary. So we are committed, you know, to making sure that the horses really receive all donations that are contributed. Prior to starting this organization, did you have any other affiliation to, to know what you were doing, getting into? Well, I've been a horsewoman my whole life, and um, as oddly enough, as a kid in Kentucky, I did rescue a lot of horses. Hmm. But frankly, it, I didn't have the context that I do now, you know, understanding the issues of slaughter, but also the, really the horrifying issues around the starvation and the neglect. Hmm. Hmm. Where in Kentucky are you from? Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I'm from Indiana. Oh, close. My sister lives in Indiana. Uh, my children actually went to nursery school in Kentucky. We were right on the banks of the Ohio River. <laughs> oh, wonderful. It's a good place to grow up, and it's certainly a good place to, to understand and love horses. Oh, I can see now exactly that Kentucky Derby. I guess you've been there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. Amazing, isn't it? It is. The, horse, the horses, that's, I mean, that is really, it, it it's really is awesome. Do you have a website that we could give out to the listeners to reach yes. out? Yes, we have a website and a Facebook page. Okay. Our website is redbucketrescue.org. And I actually believe that within the next 30 minutes we'll be featured on the news on ABC as well, hopefully <laughs> with more information. But the website would be a great place. People um, can go. They can 
take a look at the legitimacy of our organization. And there's an eight-minute informational video. It's a little outdated now. We did it about a year ago. Um, but there, the, the video is great. And I think it gives a great context for the work that we're doing and the strength of our leadership and our programs. How are some of the ways that you guys have reached out into the community to raise funds? Well, you know, we've used the press. To be honest with you, mm -hmm. the most success we've had has been the press. And what the press has done is it's raised awareness. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking about, you know, obviously interviews like this, printed media as well as broadcast has um, helped a lot because most people don't know that we exist. You know, we're still very new. Mm -hmm. um, we do local, certainly local fundraisers, and we're getting better at those. Um, but the, the biggest way that we've raised awareness and, and money really has been through people coming down, taking a look at our operation. And once they do, they're impressed. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a businesswoman. I'm a business consultant. And Red Bucket is run as a business. It is a, a true organization, 300 volunteers, and we're organized by committee. And we have men and women who are very committed um, to seeing these horses rehabilitated and rehomed. I can hear the appreciation. I feel appreciation for, for all the help that you've uh, gotten from the community. Am I right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. I yeah. think uh, we always say that gratitude is our core value. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it, the, the, when, when you're, what is it they say? If your why is strong, your how is easy. And your reason for doing it sounds like you guys just didn't, you know, you just didn't have an option not to do it. Yes. I mean, this is the, I am committed to this for the rest of my life. And so I think for people who um, may be misinterpreting the move, thinking that we're trying to get rid of horses or we're in a crisis, I, I tell them this is a sense of urgency because I need to, mm -hmm. to relocate a lot of horses, but I'm relocating an entire organization. Um, and there's a sense of urgency, but it's not a crisis. This is, you know, my job is to get the word out and really marshal um, efforts of people who want to help us. Absolutely. You know, I've talked to a lot of organizations um, over time on the show, and, and I notice a lot of them reach out to the high schools to bring in, to do, to do different clubs and organizations, and I don't know if you guys have ever gone in that direction or not. But these high school students are amazing how when they get behind a cause to help to help um, to make it successful. So now, does your husband help you full time or is he, does he still do his his training of, of animals for dogs? And, and um, well, my husband definitely is an avid dog trainer. He um, he has his border collies and they're working dogs mm -hmm. and he is a full time clinical psychologist and he comes down in the evenings and oftentimes on the weekends. Mm hmm. Do you not live? You said come down by by meaning that. Do you guys live in Orange County or close? We do, and and thankfully, about four minutes from the equestrian center, so that wow. has been incredibly convenient. Especially since as soon as I'm done with this interview, I will hightail it back to the barn, and I'll be there until the gates close at ten. I love it. I love it. Now, do these horses have to be walked every day? Do they have how? What's the how do you care for these horses during the daytime? You can't just stick them in a stall and feed them, can you? No, you can't. I mean, horses, they actually need a lot of exercise, a lot of care, and a lot of training. Now, we do have a, a number of horses 
that do need to be installed because they're recovering from fractures or mm-hmm. soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. And so even those horses, though, are um, handled extensively. Every one of our horses has a goal, and we look daily to find enrichment for our horses. Um, the horses that are in training, though, they, they are exercised daily. Our horses are turned out, so they have um, enrichment time outside, and they can feel like a horse. And then they're handled extensively so that we can prepare them for a transition into their forever home. Are, are any of these horses abused when you get them? Oh, my gosh. They're all abused in one way or another. Hmm. You know, if you want to consider a neglect abuse, mm-hmm. certainly we've mm-hmm. had. I have a little Marin that was used to um, bait pit bulls for dog fighting. Used to do what now? Bait dogs for dog fighting. What do you mean? How, how is what do you mean, bait them? Uh, the dogs would taste blood, and it makes them more vicious. Oh. And then, you know, they, they they would have dog fights. That's unbelievable. Uh, it, it is, but let me tell you the lesson that I learned, um, hmm. and I think many other people learned about this, is you get a horse in like that that's so horrifyingly abused. She had been dragged by her back legs. Um, she had been choked. Um, and this is not uncommon. And today, physically, she's healed, and she's healing on the inside and learning to trust again. We specialize in second chances. We take that really seriously. It is, it is why that second part of our mission, the restoring trust, the rehabilitating, and the retraining is so important because similar to... Um, a family who goes to a pound to get a dog, they take the dog home, and they find out the dog doesn't really work with the family, the dog is then returned. And that happens a lot in all animal rescue, and it especially happens in horse rescue. Um, we do not just, you know, kind of get rid of our horses, and we refuse to be forced into placing them before they're ready. So your friend, for example, who wants a horse who's going to New Mexico, I wouldn't even dream of giving her a horse or having her adopt a horse until I made Mm -hmm. sure that that horse was a solid match with her Mm -hmm. and that her skill set was appropriate for the horse and his or her her temperament. And that is why we're having success, and it's why the 90 days Mm -hmm. of only having horses at the equestrian center for 90 days won't work. You know, our mission Mm -hmm. um, has integrity, and we know that our model is working. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, you guys obviously have a lot of thought behind, and, and you know what you're doing. Well, yeah, and, you know, we've, we've figured it out. I mean, we've certainly made mistakes and learned, but we are active about really learning and integrating our learning into our operation. Can you, do you know the age of these uh, different horses when, when you get them? Is there, I mean, I know nothing. I mean, I used to have a horse when I was a child, but that's as far as it went. My parents took care of it. What, do you are you able to determine how old a horse is? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Depending upon the horse's age, you can you you, you age them by their teeth, mm-hmm. and we can be pretty accurate. You know, sometimes spot on within a year, and sometimes within a couple of years. A horse that has raced and has a lip tattoo, and many horses, you know, have tattoos. Then you can actually determine the horse's birthday. What? Yes, um, horses that race, um, their lips, the inside of their lips are tattooed. And so Mm -hmm. we can trace a lot of our horses 
um, their breeding, their registered names, how many races they, you know, they were in, what their racing history was, along with their birth dates. Wow, that is that is amazing. I mean, you like I, I'm sure this this is all information that you got as a child back in Kentucky, huh? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, well, and certainly as an adult, as a, as a, a horsewoman also. But we have a horse. Just to give you an idea of um, how undervalued horses are, we have a horse named Gold Disc, and um, he's in our rescue right now. He's actually going to be featured on the news tonight. He was purchased for $560,000 as a yearling. He was owned by a shake. He was bred at Judmont Farms, which is the most exclusive breeding barn in the world. And he's in our rescue today. And had we not stepped up, he would have been sold for pennies on the pound for horse meat. And all of that is traceable through his lip tattoo, and we were able to actually contact Jedmont Farms, and they verified it. They actually sent us in a small small donation with a note of thanks for Mm -hmm. taking good care of him. Mm -hmm. I bet you were shocked, huh? Well, yes, but I get shocked, you know, fewer and fewer times. We have another, we have two other horses. One, you know, he was four years ago, he sold for $250,000, and I have a horse right now. Hmm. He's recovering from a fracture who, um, four years ago, sold for $105,000, and um, six months ago, he was standing in the back of a stall being starved, waiting for the kill truck to pick him up. Um, we're running out of time, but I did want to ask you a question. Are horses, like dogs, get attached to people? Absolutely, yes. They're very bonded, mm-hmm. very loyal. And then what about the psychology? Like when you have a horse that's come to you abused, do you have like special doctors and things that know how to handle the, you know, is this something that it takes a, speci- a specialist to, to make sure that this horse is okay? Well, that's our job. Our, mm-hmm. we're, we're organized by committee. We mm-hmm. do work with veterinarians and other um, experts in the equine field, but mm-hmm. we also, of course, have the skills to do the uh, behavioral assessment. Um, we use veterinarians to help with the nutrition guidelines. Mm-hmm. We use farriers to help with corrective shoeing and issues that occur with the horse's feet when they haven't been cared for properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a behaviorist, by the way, um, by training, and so... We very carefully evaluate our horses when they come to us, and um, that is part of that second part of the mission is giving them enough time and the right kind of training and rehabilitation. Well, it totally makes sense to me. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its border regions. We've been listening to Susan Pierce. Um, She has um, got a red bucket. Is it equine? How do you spell it? Red bucket. Equine Rescue. Equine Rescue Rescue in Huntington Beach. And um, listeners, if you want to get involved, again, could you have the best way for people to contact you, Susan? Our website is redbucketrescue.org. Okay. Thank you, Susan, so much for sharing that information with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to talk about our story. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. See trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue 